you know, lashes out on social media, you're probably not going to die. Um, but it can feel that way. It can feel really real. Our nervous systems don't know the difference. And so um, it can help us just understand like that sort of as a, a journey of self-discovery of kind of like what, where am I getting stuck? What is causing me stress? Hello, hello, and welcome back to another week of the Tea Please podcast. We have some tea to spill this week on Chinese medicine. When I first reached out to Brody, who was our guest this week that you just heard from, I was asking her if we could chat about herbs and how Chinese herbs can help us, you know, in the wellness space and get a little boost from Chinese herbs traditionally. And she kind of came back to me and said, you know, I'd love to chat a little bit more about how Chinese medicine as an applied philosophy and how we live can be a deeper conversation because herbs are just one part of this type of wellness system and there's so much more to get into. So that's what we're talking about this week, Chinese medicine, everything from acupuncture to the the archetypes of Chinese medicine and then we get into some herbal stuff as well, which is way more complicated than I was initially expecting. So we get into all of that this week. Brody is such a wonderful resource online for Chinese medicine and wellness in general. She does one-on-one coaching. She has courses online. She has so many resources, and I would definitely encourage you to find her at brodywelch.com. She has blogged for Huffington Post. She's been interviewed on CBS News, Fox News, and she's been on a hundred other podcasts, online summits, you name it. She's just wonderful. If you listen to the very first episode of The Tea Please on Ayurveda with Ali Judy, you're going to like this episode. There's a lot of parallels in the two systems of Ayurveda and Chinese medicine, but they're still very different. And also, if you haven't listened to that first episode on Ayurveda, go ahead and go back and listen to it. We are going to get right into it this week because it is like 7 p.m. on Sunday night and this episode is going live at 3 a.m. tomorrow morning. So I'm doing everything super last minute here and that's just life sometimes. I really don't want to be doing this or recording right now. I would rather be watching American Idol like I usually do on Sunday nights and, you know, it just got away from me this week. So anyway, just wanted to be honest with where I'm at and give you a little behind the scenes because these episodes, I mean, hopefully they come across as polished, but... There's a lot of work behind the scenes and I'm definitely not on top of my game this week, but that's okay. Anyway, let's get into it. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts if that is something that you're open to doing. It would mean so much to me and come find me on Instagram at the Tea Please Podcast. All right, here's Brody. Can you just give us an overview of what's included in Chinese medicine and what your work is with it? Sure. Well, Chinese medicine is one of the oldest continuously practiced systems of medicine on the planet. It's been around for thousands of years and it is, it's basically applied philosophy. So we look at the body as this whole that includes the body, the mind, the spirit, and all of the systems in the body working together um, or as, as part of a, as part of a functional whole. And the branches of the medicine include acupuncture, which is probably the most well-known and sexiest branch. But also, kind of when we identify whatever the core imbalance is in someone's body, we might do acupuncture. We also might give Chinese herbal medicine, so like a formula, a synergistic blend of herbs that also work to restore that same balance that we're working to restore with the needles. There also might be dietary changes or lifestyle changes that we recommend, again, aiming at that same underlying imbalance. Um, Qigong, um, basically energy cultivation, energy skill, it's like a moving meditation is another branch of Chinese medicine. Body work is another branch. So utilizing the same meridian pathways that we do with acupuncture, but um, but with, with pressure with the hands and fingers. And so really all of these things can be used to access the body's wisdom to restore homeostasis. One of my first questions with that, because I was reading, reading up on Chinese medicine and reading on your website, and you mentioned the core imbalances or the imbalances that you feel in your body. And you kind of have to know what that is before you get into what might help or how this treatment can help you. So what can those imbalances be? Are there specific types or like similar ones that you run into a lot? Yes, uh, in the sense that, so so really like these imbalances are, this is where you really have to be working with a Chinese medicine professional, right? So someone who's a licensed acupuncturist who is nationally certified in oriental medicine, um, as out of date as that term is. Um, it, anyway, the- Is there a better term for it? 
instead of Asian medicine, Chinese medicine. I mean, like being more specific, but yeah, but that's unfortunately where our licensure, um, again, out of date. So these imbalances in the body are are like, they are the medical diagnosis, right? um, And at the same time, there certainly are uh, things that like, for example, everyone that I treat is under some sort of stress right now, whether that is the stress of just living a normal busy life or the added stress of mm-hmm. the pandemic or that just it doesn't doesn't really matter. Most people in the modern world who aren't just lounging around all day are under some sort of stress. And so and and so like, whereas if that stress was hitting somebody in the form of insomnia and palpitations, like that, okay, that's affecting their heart chi. If someone else, their stress goes straight to their digestive system, well, it's that's affecting their spleen chi. For someone else, it might be uh, wreaking havoc with their menstrual cycles and hormone balance might be off. And so there might be something going on with the kidney yin or the kidney yang. But the but generally speaking, the, the organ system that's responsible for the free and easy flow of energy around the body is the liver in Chinese medicine. So yes, the liver that you know and love, that's the organ under your rib cage that helps you detoxify and um, helps you digest fat, things like that. But also the liver in Chinese medicine is responsible for the ability for everything to unfold according to proper timing. So whenever we feel like we don't have enough time, we get like the tight neck and shoulders, we get energy rises to the head. That's happening along the gallbladder channel, which is the liver's partner in crime. Um, or like shallow breathing, right? That's the, the liver channel coming into the diaphragm and causing it to tighten down or uh, anyway so so essentially it's like the first thing that happens is we contract that like smooth flow of energy through the body stops happening so the the liver's uh, ability to create that smooth flow of chi that free and easy flow of chi in the body that we want that's necessary for every everything to work the way it's supposed to is is pretty much something that like nine people out of 10 who come into my office, we're going to work on moving the liver chi a little bit better. So that's not necessarily all we do, right? The, the other other issues that, that I mentioned, like pretty much, I mean, it's, it's not uncommon for people to um, be eating too much sugar and too much, um, too much empty carbs and sitting too much and thinking too much and all of those things affect the spleen, you know? So for example, like, so that's another like, um, common pathology that if somebody's if feeling sluggish or brain fog or gas and bloating or irritable Mm. bowel or whatever, that then it's like, we might look to the digestive system. So again, these, these are, um, we, we, we generally speak about, that sort of disharmonies in the body that maybe none of them have risen to the level of like, oh, I need to take something for this or I need to see a doctor about this. But there are all these little things that make life a drag, right? So that that same person who's having trouble with digestion a few times a week, who's also maybe having difficulty getting to sleep at night, who's also feeling just a little tired and fatigued and maybe insecure, then we could look at all of those symptoms and say, oh yeah, spleen chi and maybe some blood deficiency along with some liver chi stagnation. So when they come in for acupuncture, we would use points that would move the, smooth the liver sheet, nourish the spleen, maybe transform some dampness. But basically all these, all these are kind of like Chinese medicine jargon for how do we re- restore balance to this person's system? And so, so in my practice with, um, not only am I doing acupuncture, but I believe that teaching is, is doctoring really, you know, that, that, that idea that empowering people yeah. to take care of themselves is the, is the, best thing I can possibly do for someone. And so it's also why I have a coaching practice built around Chinese medicine, because there's plenty that I can say that's like, okay, if you focus on these things, you know, maybe that person needs a practice of meditation. Maybe this person needs to be eating more uh, foods that nourish blood, for example, or foods that nourish chi. Maybe this person needs to take something out of their life that's making that's making the digestion of their life experience difficult. And so it's the kind of thing where, where that's that's sort of where we get into the applied philosophy aspect of Chinese medicine as um, is that we can look at ourselves in a new way. And when we do look at ourselves in a new way, a lot more becomes possible. So for example, like the first paradigm shift I encourage people to make is to stop seeing yourself as this machine that happens to have a lot of like flesh and meat on it, right? So we're not this machine where we can just take out some parts and substitute others. Um, We're not just a sack of meat. We are actually, if we think about ourselves from the lens of quantum physics, we're, we're mostly empty space with little bits of matter. And so if we identify with the space of who we are and the functioning of who we are, as opposed to the stuff, right, the the stuff that we can touch, then 
it's like we we shift that energy as opposed to working on the stuff and when we sh- and we know that matter and energy are the same thing so it's like it it's a way of of working with the body in a completely different way we have a, a such a material bias in our culture right we think that oh if we have arthritis for example that it has to hurt you know and it doesn't right there's plenty of people walking around with like slip discs in their back or with uh, rotator cuff tears and like they're not in pain um because it's a, there's a difference between what's going on physically in our body and our experience of our bodies and so in chinese medicine we're working with uh with with the energy aspect with the um you know more more yang than yin in that respect yeah and it sounds like there's like the liver is involved in a lot of of those imbalances Right. Is that a fair assumption? Yes. Uh, yeah. In our culture, like anything really stress related, we can see as as the liver is complicit. Plus, we live in a toxic world and there's chemicals that are we're being assaulted by all the time. And so yeah. certainly. And it's not something that you feel like I'm not complaining about my liver hurting, you know, or. Right. Exactly. But so so like, yeah, really good point. Right. Your your physical liver is fine. And so if a Chinese medicine practitioner says like, oh, you have issues with liver chi, it's like that that she could be talking about anything from anger and irritability to PMS mm-hmm. to migraines to tight neck and shoulders to, um, it, you know, irregular cycles or um, irregular, like just anything, anything that's not happening according to its right timing um, or just a pent up of emotions in general, depression, anxiety. Um, there's so much that we can kind of tie back to looking at um, how can we make, how can we make the liver chi flow better? So again, it's not, it's not like a, um, there's not this one-to-one corollary. It's like the liver has a bigger job than just the the physical job. Yeah. And so, and, and, and it's a way that if like, if we think about everything in our lives, all the functioning of our bodies and our minds and our emotions, if we think about all of that as energy, right, that um, we can think about light being refracted through a prism, right? It's all light. It's all just light, um, but when mm-hmm. we when we see it through a prism, we can divide it up into the colors of the rainbow. And so, in Chinese medicine, it's the same thing. We can see each slice of the rainbow corresponds with a different organ system, and with a different sensory organ, with a different taste, a different smell, a different emotion, a different aspect of the soul, a different aspect of who we are. And so, um, so really, like uh, we we think about our constitution that we came in with. Right, everyone has a kind of a different natural set of strengths and weaknesses physically, but also different temperaments and different natural strengths and what makes us special on a level of temperament and on a level of our gifts to the world. And so mm-hmm. that may be, um, that's another way that we use Chinese medicine to help people with self-actualization, right? To help people step into who they really could be because this is something innate within them that maybe they're hiding yeah. in order to survive in a particular environment or maybe that isn't like culturally celebrated wherever they grew up um, and so being able to to really amplify that that inner innate strength that everyone has would that be like another motive that someone would have or would that come as like a side effect of going through Chinese medicine. Like if I came to you and was like, I'm so stressed out, I have arthritis and I have trouble sleeping and I have racing thoughts. Like if I came to you for Mm -hmm. treatment, would I also like that self-actualization piece through whatever treatment for the physical? It really depends on your practitioner, you know, because there certainly are people who, um, you know, Chinese medicine can be applied in a very let's just let's just get this one result that you're here for and and kind of like leave the rest behind it's certainly certainly not automatic yeah. you would have to be working with a practitioner who is going to help you like for example it, it like we could be we could think about all of those different symptoms that you came in with as branches of a tree that has a particular diseased root that's giving rise to all of those problems all those diseased branches and so you can just go in and treat the root you know, you can definitely go in and have somebody sling needles and make your pain feel better or make you, you know, make it give you some herbs that will make it easier for you to fall asleep. But one of the things that a Chinese medicine practitioner can do that is that is kind of, I think, interesting is helping you see your tendencies, helping you see like what you're buying into that's perpetuating these patterns in your body. So for example, if you believe like if you are an entrepreneur and you're running your own business and you feel like you've got to get it all done and it's all on you and you've got to be, you know, like you've got to keep pushing yourself. Well, the organ system 
of the liver corresponds with the wood element. So like a tree, um, people with a lot of wood energy in their constitution like to push themselves. They like to be leaders. They like to be out in front. They want to be, you know, kind of like like wood busting up through the earth. They're growing. They're they're they are have a lot of upward and outward energy. And what can happen if you're going growing upward outward energy, but going in a million different directions? That can be exhausting. So a lot of times it's like helping someone see like, okay, what are you aiming at? <laughs> you know, so that we can actually harness your energy and allow you to be this like beautiful wood type that you might be, uh, but without burning yourself out or without having um, being so harsh with yourself and like letting perfectionism kick in or overachieving kick in, which is two really common things for the wood element to face, right? Whereas, um, and because because those are those are the energetic and sort of psycho-emotional tendencies that go along with having a lot of that in your constitution. When we talked before, I know that you said that Chinese medicine is parallel to Ayurveda, and I know that they have yeah. some type of element structure also. So how can you identify what one is like more prominent for you? Does it change? I'm sure it changes and you have a little bit of everything, but is there, how would you find like where you lean? Well, you, uh, the learning about, learning about Chinese medicine a little bit um, is, yeah. is one place to start, but it, but it, in general, we, we can think about physiologically, like what, what goes on for you that is challenging, right? That's the first thing, you know, so like, did you come into the world with asthma? Did you come into the world with digestive issues or, you know, the, or the, these, these areas that, um, so we look at kind of like what organ system is naturally strong versus naturally challenged. And then kind of like, what are your innate strengths? So if we, if we're just thinking about it kind of like on a, um, you know, in a, in a simple way, um, that, so I've talked a little bit about the wood element, right? So, um, so liver gallbladder is the wood element, um, that upward, outward energy, um, people who like to, um, compete and teach and lead and be on the, on the cutting edge. And then wood energy changes into fire energy, right? So, um, being social, being friendly, being, um, like it's the, the full energy of, of fire is it's magnetic, it's attractive, it is stimulating. And so, um, so people who like, who are mat Someone might say that you're fiery. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Right. A massive extroversion, you know, that, um, but also maybe tendency towards yeah. things that are red and hot, you know, like heat in the blood, um, heart issues, um, things like that. The earth element corresponds with the spleen and stomach, um, as I talked about earlier. So digestive issues um, corresponds with the flesh. It corresponds with the mouth. Emotionally, it's about worry. Um, earth, earth types um, or people with a lot of earth energy tend to be very caring and kind and supportive and loyal and like the earth herself, right? They wanna they wanna feed people and be, and be um, generous and caring and supportive and loyal and solid and it's like stable. And like the lesson, if you go kind of go too far in that direction, it's maybe at the expense of mm -hmm. oneself. And so when I work with someone with a lot of earth energy, I'm looking at like, well, what's are are you nourishing you? Yeah. Um, you know, or do you think that that is somehow selfish or not okay? Um, we have the metal element, and so that is a bit more refined, right? We don't just like take metal out of the earth and are able to use it. It, it requires some refining, and so metal element it gives order to our lives. It is, um, you know, the lungs and large intestine are the organs there. So taking in and letting go, being able to determine what's valuable and what should I leave behind. It's like the season of autumn, right? That um, the leaves drop off the trees, but the sap is pulled inward. So there's this idea of so, uh, metal element um, has, can be, have to do with like being organized, being regimented, being, um, you know, being too, too much in that direction makes you like a type A type of person. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, but that uh, well, type A could also be wood, right? That they get things done, entrepreneur style. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Um, so metal people tend to be um, have to really good taste. Um, they can be artistic. They can be. They can really have a, a sense of style. Water elements tend to be very introspective, right? Water seeks its own level. Water is very downward and inward. Uh, the organ systems affected are the kidney and the bladder. So. Um, so it and governs kidney is said to govern the reproductive system and the hormonal changes over time. And let's see. So someone that's very drawn to 
spirituality, who's drawn inward, who is very reflective, right? The reflective quality of water, um, but also might be, um, they, they might need a lot of time alone. They might be very independent and also kind of like thoughtful and insightful and out of balance. That person might tend towards uh, being a little too isolated or a little cold and standoffish or stubborn. And uh, so that looking at kind of like, yeah, okay, what's going on with this person? What might be the, like the lesson of their element that they need to learn um, in order to, to restore balance? And so it's, and it, again, it's not about making everybody the same. It's about making, maximizing the tendencies that, um, that we kind of naturally have going for us and shoring up weaknesses, right? If someone's coming in, you know, most people are motivated to see a practitioner when something's wrong, right? And so there, there is absolutely like we want to be thinking about strengthening the, uh, the systems that need to be stronger and that need to work better. Um, and usually along the way, people, um, people learn something about themselves. And, you know, whether that is mm-hmm. just kind of, um, and it may not be that, that the organ system that is having the problem is the organ system that's responsible for that problem because everything passes its energy to someone else and also keeps some other element in check. So in, you draw the parallel to Ayurveda, it's the traditional medicine of India, um, and the, the elements there are vata, pitta, kapha, right, that are various blends of, of um, ether, air, and fire and water and earth. So it's a little bit different configuration. Yeah, it's so interesting that they're, it's just another lens. I love learning about stuff like that. Same with like personality tests or even your astrological sign, like water, cancer. There's some parallels with the definitions of those. And I just think it's like, whatever, if you buy into all of it, if you don't, like it's still just another way to identify some of those tendencies that you do have. Are there ones that you think that you have that are stronger than others? Is there one that's really strong or do you have like a combination? Because just in your explanation, I can call out like two that I feel are strong for me. Yeah, most people do have like one or two that are are dominant. And again, like insight about when you understand what what your dominant element is, you can absolutely work with it and befriend it, befriending your constitution so that you don't whack yourself out. So yeah, like I I certainly am something of a burnout expert because I I have a lot of wood energy and like I tend to take mm-hmm. on too much and I tend to um, I tend to feel best when I'm in motion right and like do the work first and can't you um, can't relax unless I've gone for a hike and done my yoga and like doing yeah. all the things and and really for me it's like that lesson of like oh actually doing less than I'm humanly capable of is absolutely essential for my whole nervous system to change and for for therefore yeah. for me to feel different in my body requires me to um to really get a handle on those underlying beliefs that are that are kind of elemental in nature you know and and also they they are, yeah. there can be like there's like who we were born to be but there's also these survival strategies that we take on in order to to get through the world and to feel safe and so a lot of the things that that cause us stress in general like very rarely are they life-threatening experiences they're usually threats to who we think we need yeah. to be in the world and so if they're really threats to the ego and so looking at like okay well it, you know that where 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 is my sense of self so tightly wrapped <laughs> that if I that any threat to that means that I think I'm gonna die right you know like if I th- do I really think on or it feels like that in your body yeah yeah exactly because our nervous systems are are um they don't know the they difference. don't understand <laughs> that missing a deadline is not actually a life-threatening situation and that if somebody doesn't like you or um you know lashes out on social media you're probably not gonna die yeah. um, but it can feel that way mm-hmm. it can feel really real and our nervous systems don't know the difference and so um it can help us just understand like that sort of as a, a journey of self-discovery of kind of like what where am Am I getting stuck? What is causing me stress um, based on uh, what do I feel like I need to protect in order to move through the world safely? Are those elements the same as constitutional types or is that a different? Basically, your, your constitution is like your innate strengths and weaknesses. So that that's there's an innateness there. The social self doesn't have to match your constitution. That's just where you've channeled your chi and blood uh, in order to get through the world. And so so your imbalances mm-hmm. are not necessarily your constitutional imbalances because, um, again, like that each organ system gives its energy to somebody else. Again, along the five element cycle, you water a tree to make it grow. So water supports wood. You chop down trees to make a fire. So wood supports fire. Um, fire comes ashes, which becomes mm-hmm. earth again. Met- um, earth is where we can 
go for metal, right? It supports and engenders metal and metal enriches the water. So there's this supportive, what we call the creation cycle. There's also a game of rock, paper, scissors where every organ system, every element keeps somebody else in check. So fire, um, fire melts metal, metal chops down the trees, trees bust up through the earth, disrupting it. Yeah. Earth dams the water and water puts out fire. So it's like everybody, so really like going to someone who is able to put all the pieces together and tell a compelling story of like, okay, everything that you have going on in your life that you want to be different can be traced back to like these imbalances and here's what you need to do to correct them. It might involve acupuncture or herbs or lifestyle or diet changes or qigong or uh, so many ways of tapping into the consciousness of the body in order to create change. So let's go through an example of if someone came to you and like was really struggling with burnout and they are that like wood energy, Mm -hmm. they are like working really hard at work. They're hustling. They have all this stuff going on. They have maybe trouble sleeping. Like what would you do for someone who is facing a lot of burnout and what can they do at home themselves? Um, yeah, great question. Great question. And I love that that we're putting this in context of Chinese medicine, because if you had just asked, like, what would you do for someone with burnout? I would say it depends. So yeah. so in this case, we've got a hypothetical, um, hard driving type A wood type who is on a mission to change the world with her business and she is she's burning herself out so the very first thing that i would look at first of all i would look at her tongue i would take her pulse Wait, what would you look at on her tongue? Yeah, so the tongue shows us, we look at the color, the coating, the shape, and the moisture. And all. And it's like a little map of the, of the internal organs in the body. And um, so we put that together with the pulse, which we take at three different positions at three different depths. And that gives us a sense of the relative strengths and weaknesses of the different organ systems, along with all the questions, the, the 10,000 questions that we ask um, to get a sense of like what is out of balance in this person's body. And then... And what their life looks like. So if I if I indeed got a wiry pulse in the second position um, on the left, that would indicate liver. Um, there's a, if the if the tongue showed me. Um, the tongue and liver cheese stagnation isn't necessarily so remarkable. Um, but if that's what was what was going on, first I would do acupuncture that would move the liver shape, right? So I would, and then I would maybe teach the person some points that they could do at home. So for example, um, if this person was prone to um, like tight neck and shoulders, I might give them like gallbladder 21 right at the top or liver 14, which is right underneath the breast in the, in the, in the tender rib space, right? And so I might give them these points and assign it to them um, or liver three on the foot between uh, the big toe and the second toe if you run your hands up um, between the bones you'll find something that's a little sore so I might have the person massage those points every day for a few minutes I might have this person uh, take a walk in the woods because it's the wood element and walking is good to harmonize liver chi most importantly I would I would help them get to the bottom of like, okay, well, are they're, they're burning themselves out maybe because they're trying to do too much. Maybe their expectations are way too high. So it engaged the metal element with its idea of structure and its idea of, um, of really pruning, right? Deciding to do less. So I would maybe make that person um, understand that they're not superhuman and to, um, and to subtract. And so challenge them to subtract something from their day. Mm-hmm. And also maybe to give them credit, for, to give themselves credit for what they are accomplishing as opposed to seeing, as opposed to like moving the goalposts on themselves, which is something I see what element types do all the time. I might give them a formula, or, well, one of our classic Chinese herbal formulas that's great for kind of like stress and anxiety. It's called free and easy wanderer, um, which is the name of the liver when it's doing its job. Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> it actually has been clinically proven to help with anxiety. So, um, so it's cool. one of those things that, like, um, that I would pick out an herb formula that would go along with whatever pattern. What's included in that one? It's a bunch of things that you've never heard of. So, uh, you know, or very likely. And that's the thing with Chinese herbs is like there's hundreds that we use, but in very small amounts. So instead of being like, here, take valerian for sleep, or take echinacea for a cold, yeah. it's like, here, take these twelve things that are like all that. It, like fairly small amounts that have been combined together that um, it's like giving somebody cake mix instead of all of the ingredients to make a cake. And so it gets them. Mm-hmm. So basically it's like buplorum and, uh, you know, so like chai hu, bai shao, um, bo he, dong gui, uh, gan sao. Like you- <laughs> yeah, you're right. Never heard of those. 
<laughs> and probably if I give them to you in Latin, they would be equally obscure, uh, you know, but it's, but in Chinese medicine, there are these like, there are these go-to formulas that are recipes that have been around for um, some for hundreds, some for thousands of years that have stood the test of time and that work for these particular patterns that, that have been identified. Do you take them as a, like a tea all combined in one? Yep. They, yep. They're often teas or they are a lot of times practitioners will have granules in their office so that they can make a little custom mix out of um, out of little bits of basically concentrated tea, you know, and um, and a lot of times like a lot of these formulas have been made into ready-made pills and bottles or in capsules that are user-friendly uh, for kind of um, a culture that is used to taking pills. So all, yeah. all of that, um, you know, so... Can you find those now? Like, I'm just thinking if I were to Google that, could I trust what I Google? Yes, but it's, I really discourage self-prescribing of Chinese herbs because it's yeah. so specific. So it really is something you want to work with an herbalist on. And so again, like a lot of the the more reputable herbal companies will only sell to licensed practitioners. And so like, if you're getting it off of Amazon, like, mm, no, don't. Maybe not. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now that said, like Chinese herbology is something that like in China and throughout a lot of Asia, people are fluent in this. So just like you might go to the drugstore and pick up like, you know, Tylenol or, you know, NyQuil or something like that. People are familiar with like, oh yeah, take Huoshuang Zhengxishan or take, you know, Beyond Pion if you have allergies or take, you know, that it's it's one of those like there's there are these ready-made formulas that have been used in their household names and people just understand how to use them. But yeah. our culture is not there yet. And so, and again, know, like, I have no idea what that means. I've, yeah, yeah, right. So, so like, for example, there's plenty of, of herbal formulas that can help with, for example, a common cold or a flu, mm -hmm. um, you know, or, or any sort of respiratory illness that we might be thinking about. Um, and there is no like, well, what are the herbs for a common cold? Or what are the herbs for flu? It's like, well, is it a hot cold or a cold cold or a damp cold or a dry cold, right? We're going to treat it differently if somebody's got yellow mucus and a high fever than if they feel super chilled and are um, and are fatigued and have a headache and uh, cloudy or clear mucus. So like different herbs will affect like we'll use we'll use warm herbs for a cold cold and we'll use more heating acrid herbs for a cold and we'll use cooling herbs for a hot cold. So something like that, which again is like yeah. You, that as a layperson, you're, that's going to be difficult, um, you know. But it's uh, it's something that everyone I think should know that Chinese medicine has like basically anything that um, it, that you have going on, you could consult a Chinese medicine practitioner for and potentially be able to have a non pharmaceutical solution for. And um, so that it's it's incredibly powerful. Um, I do have a course on the basics of Chinese medicine for people who want to really nerd out on it. It's yeah. a, it's an on demand course. Yeah, um, because I firmly believe in democratizing the teachings of Chinese medicine to lay cool. people. And if you pick up a book and try to read about it, it can get lost in jargon really fast and uh, or have just like references that are really dumbed down to like vague notions of balance. Right. And um, and indeed, it is about balance. Right. We think about the yin yang symbol, the goal of every. But even just with the example of a cold, like there's so much that you can balance in any given situation, it sounds like. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So it's like, it is an art and a science. It's a super deep system. And it's like, it, and and more and more, I mean, there's just a ton of research out there on the kinds of conditions that acupuncture can help with and that various Chinese botanical medicines uh, can do uh, quite effectively and elegantly. And so, and sometimes very quickly. Um, so a lot of times people are shocked that like, oh, you mean I don't have to live with this? You know, yeah. that there, there's a solution, there's somewhere in between medicating it out of existence you know or like shutting down your like a symptom is just your body talking to you right it's it's yeah. a it's like the tip of the iceberg and so in Chinese medicine instead of like it just trying to beat it into quietude it's about getting curious about like well what's what's causing this and what else is it related to so that we can treat the whole pattern and hopefully create a different reality for someone so what do you do or how do you like what's your recommendation for like the example of someone who's facing a lot of burnout and they are coming to you and there's like we talked about acupuncture we talked about herbs we talked about like the mindset shift that needs to mm -hmm. take place in that and like taking yeah. something out of your schedule mm -hmm. so it's a lot <laughs> like how can you how can you ease into it or what would you recommend to someone who is like interested but maybe like wary that like oh my gosh I don't know how I could like just change my whole lifestyle to to this right. way because burnout is something that's like 
it's not a cold, right? So you can't just be like, oh, I'm cured of burnout. Like, let me get back into it. Right, right, exactly. Well, and it, and really it's like, so when I'm working with someone as a coach, I am a firm believer in the small steps over time that take us where we want to go. So it is, it is completely unsustainable to say, oh, well, just break up with your long-term ego pattern that helps you stay safe in the world. It's like, yeah, that's, that's yeah. not going to go over very well. Um, nor is saying to someone, oh, well, you just need to quit your job and all your problems will be solved because that negates the whole point of that this person believes in what they're doing and is on a mission and um, it discounts something that's very important. So small steps over time. So whether that means like, okay, what could, what can we subtract so to leave room for something that's going to be restorative to that person. So I might suggest a breathing exercise, for example, that calms the nervous system. I might suggest self-massage. I might suggest like, like kind of for someone else, it might be a mindfulness practice or it might be exercise. Like so many of the things on the self-care list, some things are going to be more um potent for a given individual than others and so sometimes a person will know it's like oh well my day feels better and worthwhile if I've gotten outside so that might be okay well make sure that that's happening right make sure that you feel like you have the right to go outside before everything is done you know or for for someone else it's going to be like okay you need to take a break you need to get up from your from your computer and give yourself five minutes to breathe into your low belly before you start eating so that you don't get the digestive issues that your liver cheese stagnation is leading to you know so so it's like they're so different assignments yeah. um, if you will are going to be more um, appropriate depending on how something is showing up for someone like for someone else with the burnout who's having difficulty getting to sleep at night I might have them like for that person it might be super important that they stop looking at screens at 7 p.m. and instead have like a winding down routine um, at night that's maybe it's an Epsom self bath Epsom salt bath followed by massaging liver three on their foot and using vetiver oil or something you know or using chamomile or something like that on an acupoint for example because mm-hmm. um, the magic is is not in the needles it's in the body and so just being able to cue the body of like oh yeah I use the 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 message to the to the whole that this point provides um in order to and on, on a regular basis so it's it's just a it's um little interventions that start shifting instead of heading like in the direction of burnout it's like we're trying to turn the wheel on this giant ship so that we eventually end up heading in a different direction but it's really small changes over time that we build on and that when that becomes the new normal where you're like oh right i'm not gonna die if i stop working you know after eight hours instead of 12 you know or like actually Actually, um, I actually get more done when I start yeah. my day with meditation instead of just leaping into the the fray and working from a place of reactivity. You know that the idea that like breaking up with some of these notions of yang addiction, that yeah. which is you know if we think about yin and yang um, as as these archetypal forces in our society, we are so obsessed with the yang, right? The speed, the doing, how it looks instead of how it feels, getting things done, doing it faster, how much money we're earning, how much we can buy, how much that um, all of that sort of external stuff at the expense of the yin, right? Like, how does it feel? How does, um, you know, this idea of being able to just be and enjoy being? And that matters. Like, the goal is not to make those Mm -hmm. feelings go away. It's actually to, like, take care of that side. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of times it's it that the more we honor our yin and the more that we kind of connect with the body and connect with our spirit, the uh that and paying attention to that actually makes us more productive, right? Like that yeah. that um when we get enough sleep, we are more clear-headed, for example. Like uh, that I think everyone can relate to that example that what, mm-hmm. four nights in a row of sleeping like crap, um you're not going to be on your game, you know. So so that idea of um being spending as much focus on the pulling back and on the unplugging is this sort of like counterintuitive way that we allow the yang to be even more potent because it's sort of like um yin and yang need to flow into each other at their extremes and so if everything if you're just kind of always in this low grade state of neither relaxed nor really engaged you're not really going to get that um that neither one is going to be done well. And so really helping people, giving people full permission to unplug and shift gears is also something that um, I really encourage. Yeah. And it's intention. And I like that you work with people one-on-one on on that because it's like, 
even hearing you talk, I know all this stuff. <laughs> like I know, and I recognize yeah, a lot of it of in myself. And then I'm just like, dang, I should do that. Or like, yeah, I'm totally in the middle of like, I'm not really applied and I'm also not really relaxed most of the time. But yeah, I struggle with the intention of like, this is what I actually need to do in my day to like get that more in sync. So I like that like you you have mm-hmm. that contact where it's not like, okay, yeah, I'm just going to go like see someone and then I'm going to go home and I don't really know how to apply it. <laughs> right. Well, and I, I used to bring people together in in like these these groups to change, to create a cultural norm around really applauding the doing less because it's like because we really it can be really scary to go against the grain of an entire culture by yourself and so it can be really helpful to to have people who also believe that like yeah these things are important you are important you are worth taking care of you are more than just Mm -hmm. what you would do for others or accomplish in a day and um so and and that you have the right to take care of yourself so uh, that's that's really something that um, it can it can be really useful in any sort of habit change. Hanging out with somebody who already has that habit or who always who already is in that mindset that can help you reinforce it is it, it like that's just um, like we know that that works, right? If you hang Community, out with people, yeah. yeah, exactly. If you hang out with people that all value something, the likelihood that you will also value that thing goes up. Right. Yeah. Is this something that you were always interested in, or did it come from maybe feeling some of those things? Like, what's your background with? With getting into Chinese medicine, I wanted to change the world from an early age. I um, grew up in the mark of suburbia in Massachusetts, and I was obsessed with how to be a decent human being without being complicit and evil. To just to do my daily life, you know, like just to just sucking up the earth's resources and seeing this sort of mm-hmm. discrepancy in the distribution of wealth. And I, I just felt like my purpose on the planet was to change the world with a capital C. So I thought I was going to be a lawyer or uh, start an NGO or do you know do something big and splashy and and for the greater good. And I realized very quickly that that was going to create a life that I was going to be um, in perpetual conflict and it wasn't going to work for me. So at that point, I just was like, oh, well, too bad. That's the path that I had climbed in college. And so now what am I going to do? But um, so yeah. I went to massage therapy school and got a day job. And in massage school, is I'd always been told that I had a healing touch. And I was like, all right, well, I've left brained it as far as I can go. Now I'm just going to go in the other direction. And in massage school, I fell in love with Chinese medicine theory through a shiatsu class. So learning about yin and yang and the five elements and just feeling like, wow, this is this philosophy really resonates with me. And uh, and I know that I, I was just hungry for more. And so I went directly from college to massage school to acupuncture school did the four-year master's and then opened my practice when I was 27 so um so really there wasn't a whole lot of my life that I wasn't doing Chinese medicine like it was I found it pretty early and I'm so grateful that I did because it's um it really is a it is still something that I'm in love with. I'm amazed by its power um of just being able to help people get out of pain, help people with anxiety and depression, help people with sleep, help people with digestive issues, but also it gives me this this framework from which to have to help people understand themselves in a new way and be able to really change their lives. And so starting off by teaching Qigong, also have teaching certifications in yoga and meditation and just like helping people work with the body mind you know, using the body and the breath as a way to affect the mind. And then from there, kind of like getting a bunch of coaching certifications to figure out like, how do we change habits? And how do we make them stick? And how um, and what is um, what's going to be effective for what do you do with all the knowledge? Exactly. Yeah. Because I realized that as as much as I could as- assimilate, it's um, I had very smart very motivated people coming in for their little maintenance checkups once a month, um, you know, or they're like, maybe they have like the chronic neck and shoulder pain. So they're there for that. And I'm like, so how to go with the meditating or how did it go with, with this new, um, you know, eating more greens or drinking less coffee or whatever it is that we're working on. And I would inevitably get these answers like, oh, well, I did great for a few days and then life happened. And then I was back, you know, and it was like, went yeah. out the window. So just thinking like, okay, well, it's not enough. Like everyone pretty much knows what we need to be doing to take care of ourselves. It's not a huge mystery. But being able to apply that on a regular basis and develop kind of a new groove that we can fall into that's then is like it's automatic and then it becomes a supportive structure as as opposed to something that we have to effort around. Um, And that that Mm -hmm. is 
that's where transformation really happens is when we, um, that's where, where we really start showing up in a new way where you don't even question like, how am I going to meditate today? Where's that going to happen? What's that going to look like? It's like, you just know. <laughs> it's like, cause it's just, it's yeah. just as you don't question whether you're going to brush your teeth or get dressed or take a shower. It's like those things just happen <laughs> or maybe they used to right. before, um, you know, before we stopped leaving the house. But, um, but in, in general, it's like the more that we can automate the things that really matter, the more energy we have freed up for or the stuff that really requires our energy and attention. So anyway, so that's that's where coaching comes in. That's where it's like I can really help people dial in those habits. Yeah, I love it. And I think that there's like a new opportunity with like the way the world has been and everyone's routines are like totally shaken up. <laughs> so like it might be hard to yes. change your routine or change some of those habits. But like I know that my routines are totally different and I've had to rebuild them. So maybe like incorporating this at a time where that shift is happening naturally because of the pandemic and like you're doing different things anyway, yes. that might be a more natural time to kind of put some of these things in place. Yeah, Sarah, you're absolutely right that like anytime there's a there's a kind of a record scratch event in our lives, right, where everything just stops and is disrupted, whether it's like a new job or a new relationship or you moved or I don't know, society falls apart and you can't leave your house, um, that like no. all of those are opportunities to establish new patterns and new routines. Now, granted, mm -hmm. they come with their own stresses. And so it like, right. and it takes effort and willpower to establish some, a new habit. So like it's make like, a habit instead of a coping mechanism. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, if you're just like basically treading water, like maybe it's not the time to try to, to, to try yeah. to like onboard new routines. But I would say like, where is the low hanging fruit? What is the easiest, simplest thing you can do that is in the direction of better and start there uh, you know and and for yeah. a lot of times it's it's the breath like it is the breath is the most perhaps um, overlooked tool that we have in terms of talking to our nervous systems and it is just in the way that the lungs reel in the, the excess liberty it's a way that we we literally it can can bridge what's happening with our autonomic nervous systems bring it back under conscious control and steer in a direction of less stress and more rest and digest mode so it's it's the kind of thing where like if you're listening to this and you're like but I'm just hanging on you want me to change my habits it's like okay here's what I want you to do I want you to um for, so one of my favorite qigong or gasotransmitter techniques, if we think about gases in our bodies functioning as neurotransmitters, including oxygen and carbon dioxide, one thing that you can do, especially if you find yourself sighing a lot, because sighing is the body's natural attempt at resetting the pendulum of the breath into, into normalcy and like getting rid of the pent-upness, sighing until you yawn. So um, being able to just like having an audible sigh, like, ah, followed by an inhale through the nose, ah, over and over again until you start yawning. That's a way of regulating nitric oxide in the body and moving liver chi. And so like the pent upness naturally lets go. And then we're in a place where we can receive or we want to take in more um, in terms of um, carbon dioxide. Um, carbon monoxide, which are, we, we think of those as bad things in excess, and they are, but yeah. they're also, um, they help us relax. Um, so again, like breathing and the, the way that gases function in the body are messages. And so these are, these are ways that we can work with the breath skillfully beyond just things like deep belly breathing or, you know, that. Yeah, that, that's um, so interesting. I've totally yeah. gone through stages where I notice that I'm sighing so much. Mm -hmm. I'm like, why am I, like, I, I did not know. I didn't think anything of it. I'm just like, I don't know. It feels good. <laughs> so yeah, I just kept doing it. Exactly. So, but, so the yeah. science of yawn practice is one of those that I might give to someone with that aforementioned liver cheese stagnation and burnout. Yeah. That makes a lot yeah. of sense. I'll now, if you, if you, it takes a long time for you to yawn, it, there can be a lot of pent up stagnant energy. If you're yawning within seconds, you also have an element of deficiency that needs to be nourished. And so then it might be like working with the breath differently that involves more mm -hmm. breath holds and retention, um, but also maybe more nourishing practices. Um, I kind of love how complex it is because <laughs> it's yeah. not like a, oh yeah, just do this and you'll feel better. It makes it complicated, I guess you could say, or like it, it, I can feed into that overwhelm feeling, but I like that it's so specific to what you're feeling at any given time. And there's so many layers to what that is and what you can do to help. Yeah. 
Well, it's only overwhelming if you think that you have to know it all and do it all and self-prescribe. It's like that's that's yeah. insane, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, like there's uh, that that uh, we all need each other. We, we and it's it is okay to to ask for help and support. Um, just like you wouldn't just like go to you know googling your condition and decide like oh I know right. what this is. It's like there's um, so Chinese medicine is medicine. It is a sophisticated and complicated form of medicine that takes a lifetime to learn, and that simultaneously there's some basics that we can all apply. Yeah, really good point. It's not like I would not have the same mindset if I went to the doctor and was like, I don't know. I don't like I don't understand everything that's going on right. in that way. So yeah, that's a good perspective to have. Okay, I have three questions I ask all my guests at the end. Okay. And then we'll wrap things up. So the first question is, um, what's something that you do that makes you feel like your best self? Yoga. Yoga, breathing and moving and connecting to myself is um, is a keystone of my day. Do you do it every day? Yeah. And and by and and sometimes yoga can be without any movement, right? It can just be yeah. closing my eyes Looks and different. and feeling the flow of energy internally and feel and just simply checking in with myself. So yoga as self-study in as much as um it as asana practice. All right, the second question is what do you do to find inspiration when you're feeling uninspired? Um that's a good question. If I'm, if I'm feeling uninspired, a lot of times it means that I've been spending too much of my energy has been going outward. And so um, I won't necessarily try to fight it with like, how can I get inspired? How can I force what isn't here naturally? I'll close my eyes, you know, like right. I, that I'll, I'll give myself a few minutes to um, be outside, right? Going for a walk is always really helpful because that will help me like, because if I go for a walk, if I go outside, I'm literally breathing, I'm taking in inspiration, right? Taking in breath. And I'm also right. being, um, I'm also reminded that I'm connected to the external world and that actually um, my worth is not connected to my productivity. <laughs> and if, and if inspiration what comes, yeah, you know, and, and uh, if inspiration comes a lot of times like that movement generates its own gears turning. Right. So, um, mm. so that a lot of times really helps me. And a lot of times when I feel like I, I'm getting nowhere staring at a screen, if I'm taking a walk, suddenly I'm pulling out my phone to record in the message, you know, app or the notes app, um, or the voice recording things that I don't want to forget for a next podcast episode or next yeah. blog post or that kind of thing. And the last question is, um, if you had one piece of advice that if we all followed, we'd all be better off, what would it be? It would be to treat yourself the way that you would want someone that you love the most in the world to treat themselves because you're worth taking care of. That is it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned a little bit more about Chinese medicine. I did not really know anything about this system. I knew that it was a thing. I did not know that all of these different elements of acupuncture and, and herbs and qigong and qi and how that all works together was part of the system of Chinese medicine. Um, for me, I'm probably not going to change my whole entire lifestyle to adapt to this system. However, I love to learn about these different types of systems and, and ways to take care of ourselves because it teaches me a little bit more about myself. I know after listening to this episode that I'm a mix of that earth element and the water element. I identify with characteristics of both of those and that's a way for me to know myself a little bit better. So I'd love to know your thoughts. Please come find me over on Instagram at the Tea Please Podcast. Slide into the old DMs and let me know your thoughts on this week's episode. All right, I'll catch you guys in the next one.